Well, I want to welcome you today to the Hills Church at Home. This is our Good Friday, both audio and video message. Hey, let me encourage you to do a couple things before we get started today. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, and you can download uh, the Good Friday message notes. And if you have any uh, children with you, you can download the Kids Activity Sheet, plus prepare and have some communion elements ready with you. You can have anything uh, to drink. If you've got juice or you've got soda or whatever is iced tea, grab some bread and we'll do that together at the end. Plus, all of these notes, I'm not going to be going over all of them today. In fact, the notes today are the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross, but I'm going to go over one of them with us today. So I encourage you to download those. But I do want to start with this one verse. We've been reading this the last couple of weeks. John chapter 10, verse 17. Listen clearly to Jesus's words. In fact, it has implications as we celebrate Good Friday and then even Easter Sunday morning. Jesus says this, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I received from my Father. You know, it's a powerful verse. Even though Jesus uh, is sentenced to be crucified, we know this. He said these words. I am the one that has the power to lay it down. I am the one that has the power to raise it again. My father is the one that gave me this promise. You know, when we think about Good Friday, we think about the cross. In fact, in your notes, it's important for you to read and to remember this because the crucifixion struck fear into the hearts of the world. And it was Rome's way of instilling fear and controlling people. You know, people would be crucified. Many times they were left for days, nothing to eat, nothing to drink. Their legs were broken so they couldn't lift themselves up. It was a horrific way to die. It all always started with some type of beating or whipping. But Jesus said those words that we read, I have received the power from my father to lay my life down or to raise it up again. But the most important part of Good Friday and even the sayings of Jesus on the cross is Jesus hung on the cross for six hours before he died. And in those six hours, Jesus spoke to his father, his mother, his disciples, and even to the criminals that were crucified next to him. So if you have your notes, in fact, um, I just want to go to really, it's the last saying of Jesus on the cross. That's what I want to look at today. And he says this, uh, uh, it's captured that we say the seven sayings of Jesus. It's captured in these three words, it is finished. After um, he received upon himself all of the sin, sickness, and disease of the world, past, 
present, future. After he was forsaken by his father because of all the sin that was upon him, he didn't stop short of anything. He made sure he fulfilled everything until he said those words, it is finished. John chapter 19, verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, uh, it's amazing when you read through the Gospels. In fact, even the verse that we're going to look at next is found in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's almost from Matthew's Gospel that he takes us from the cross, the crucifixion, and now we're going to be transported right to the temple. And that's the verse I want to look at today with our time together in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51 through 54. And right when Jesus says it is finished, we get this uh, word from Matthew's gospel. It says, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were open. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Notice the first part of that verse. In fact, I want you to get that picture. Jesus, fulfilling all things on the cross, says, it is finished. He bows his head, he gives up his spirit, and then the veil of the temple is torn in two from top to bottom. You know, it's interesting at the end of that verse, we read this part. So when the centurion, those with him who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. That's what I love about Matthew. We go from it is finished, we go right into the temple. We get that picture of the veil of the temple being ripped into top to bottom. The graves were open, rocks were split, people are walking around. Now we're back at the foot of the cross at a centurion. That is, I witnessed all of the events in these last hours, and he says, Truly, this is the Son of God. You know, I really wanted to focus our time today uh, on the veil of the temple being ripped into. You know, there, there's a lot of different scholars, there's a lot of different re uh, readings that talk about that the veil of the temple was about four inches thick. You know, we have no recording of that in the Bible of how thick it was. We do know, according to Solomon's temple, the temple of that day, that the veil of that temple was huge. It was tall. It was wide. You know, and I encourage you to do this. Go to Exodus chapter 26 and read about God's description about how the veil of the temple was to be created. In fact, we know that it was um, blue. It was purple. It had scarlet thread. It had fine woven linen. It had a description, an artistic design of cherubim, of angels. It would hang 
uh, and almost off the floor to the top as wide as it would be. Now, here's what's important about that. The veil of the temple was put up between the most holy place and the holy of holies. The holy of holies is where the presence of God resided. God put up the veil to separate his presence, his holiness from the people. Why did he separate himself from the people? It was because of the sin of mankind back in Genesis 3. So in Exodus, when God describes a tabernacle that's to be built, a tabernacle that could be torn down and moved, one of the things that he has created is this veil. It would separate the holy God from the people. The people would not be able to access the Holy of Holies. In fact, according to the Bible, we'll look at a verse here in a minute. Only the high priest could access the Holy of Holies once a year. In fact, and I love this part when I was thinking about this. He would offer a blood sacrifice for the people, but God chose who the high priest would be. God chose the time of year that he would enter. God would choose the time he was allowed to enter in the Holy of Holies. And God assigned what he would do in the Holy Holies as he uh, approached the very presence of God. In fact, the, the writer of Hebrews writes this, that on the day that the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies, and as he would put on his robe, the robe would have bells, and there would be a rope tied around his, his waist, that if that high priest had any sin in his life and he entered the Holy of Holies, the bells that they heard uh, making uh, noise while he walked would stop and he would fall dead. And that rope was to pull him out because he had died in the holiness and the presence of God. I tell you what, I wouldn't want that job, right? Walking in there. But God set this up. In fact, Hebrews chapter 9 Verse six through seven says this. Now, when these things have been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing services. But into the second part, the high priests went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sin committed in ignorance. So this was happening all up and through Jesus's uh, ministry. In fact, you'll notice the, the Gospels record two times Jesus cleared the temple because they had made the temple a den of thieves. So like the writer of Hebrews says, the people would conduct or the priests would conduct services outside of the Holy of Holies, but uh, according to the word of God, that veil separated the people. God put it up and only the high priest once a year could enter. Pretty amazing now when we read the gospels that when Jesus says it is finished, that Matthew records that the veil of the temple, however thick, however wide, However tall, it was ripped in two, top to bottom. 
from, from now on, the very presence of God would no longer be hidden behind a veil. The very presence of God would be amongst his people. And you ask, well, how did the sin get eradicated then? The sin, that blood sacrifice, the blood that was sprinkled back that the high priest would do, the blood was now the blood of Jesus that was shed for the sins of all. And no longer would God be behind a veil. God be, would be with his people. In fact, it made me think of a couple things. Number one was this. The barrier that prevented us in coming to God was removed because of Jesus. There's no more of a barrier. There's no more of somebody going uh, on our behalf. We now get to access God because he ripped the veil and came to us. The second thing is this. Jesus opened the way for us to come right into God's presence. Now through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have permanent access to God. Even if it was only we got to go once a year, that would have been amazing because of the Old Testament, but it's not that way. We have permanent daily access to God. In, in our language, it would be we've got 24-7 access, 365 days a year to go to our God. There's nothing that separates us from him. And then lastly, the tearing of the curtain means that a new life through Jesus's sacrifice has begun. A new life through Jesus's sacrifice has begun. Let me read that Matthew 27 verse again. And it says, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earthquake and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the grave after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly saying, truly this was the son of God. Can you remember that today? That tearing of the curtain means that new life through Jesus's sacrifice has begun. When he said, it is finished, it was all finished. You know, we'll use those words. Oh, I, I, I finished what I was working on. And then later, we'll you know, I didn't, oh, I had this. I forgot this. I, I forgot. I've got to get back to that. No, no, no. Jesus made sure everything was finished. Even down to the, the veil of the temple, that curtain being ripped so that the very presence of God would now be amongst the people. Now, the centurion didn't witness that, but you know what he witnessed? The centurion witnessed Jesus's words. The centurion witnessed Jesus being mocked and ridiculed, watching soldiers gamble over his clothing. He got to listen to Jesus cry out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He got to witness Jesus taking care of his mom, that his mom would now live with uh, John and be taken care of. He would hear Jesus cry out, 
knowing that Jesus, not knowing that Jesus was separated from from his Father God, but Jesus would cry out out of Psalm 22, "My God, My God, where where have you? Why have you forsaken me?" He would hear Jesus's words, and in that short period of time, the centurion, a Roman soldier, not growing up in the law, not growing up in the temple, would say, "Truly, this." is the Son of God. You know, I pray on this Good Friday that if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you need to know that this is a God, a Savior, a personal Savior that didn't make you go to Him. He came to you, directly to you, moved obstacles out of the way so His presence could be with you. He's as close to you as the whisper on your lips. And if you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, like the centurion said, or you've been running away from him, and today is that opportunity to come to him, I pray your heart would be open like that centurion who both saw and witnessed and said with his mouth, this is the Son of God. Would you pray this prayer with me? Would you mean it in your heart? It's out of Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart that the God had raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That new life in him would begin. Pray this with me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me, and I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins, and today I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. In fact, if you prayed that for the very first time today, or you're, or this is a day of you coming back to him, I would so encourage you to reach out to us. Do so through the social media platforms that you're either watching if you're listening by audio today, reach out to us. Go to our website, click on the contact page, reach out to us by email, however it is, so that we can agree and pray with you. And let me encourage you, take today, in fact, even in these next few minutes, and open a Bible. Go online and open a Bible and read the Gospels and watch the life of Jesus because he lived that life to give you life much more abundantly. Well, hopefully you've gotten your communion elements by now. We're going to receive communion here on this Good Friday opportunity time. In fact, and I remember with our time of communion, I remember this is we remember Jesus. We repent of any sin that is in our life, any shortcomings. We judge ourselves and we remember that we are reconciled with him. We are reconciled with him. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 through 30, Jesus's last opportunity to be with his disciples before he's about to be betrayed, arrested, and then beaten and crucified. He's with his disciples and we read these words about this opportunity to remember him. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. 
This is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood in the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let me leave the end of that verse up. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus took bread and he broke it, signifying his broken body that would happen just several hours later. He drank of the cup of the blood that would be forgiveness of sins that would be poured out just hours later. And they went to the Mount of Olives. He went to go and pray. He went to grab those disciples and pray to his father. And those words he said that he quickly grabbed, he said, if there's any other way, if this cup could pass. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He's betrayed. He's arrested. He's beaten. He's tried. He's beaten some more. He's whipped. He's carrying the old, part of that cross to the crucifixion and he died. And yet his body was broken and his blood was shed. And he said for us, as we received communion, to do it often, to remember him. I encourage you to take the bread or whatever you have. And if you would like with me, if you would break it. And before we receive it together, I want us to read these words about the bread. As you take the bread, you break it to remember that Jesus's body was broken for your healing. Jesus took your sicknesses and disease and with his stripes, you are healed. Let's receive that today. and Let's receive our healing together. We took the cup. In fact, he takes the cup. He said, and we say, this is another reminder of the blood of Jesus that was for our forgiveness of our sins and gives us the power and the strength to be overcomers in him. First John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As I said before, we can come to him seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We can come to him 365 days a year. There's never a moment that he's off or he's taking a break or he's on vacation. We come to him because of the blood of Jesus that has forgiven us, given us new life, given us the power and the strength to overcome this flesh. And we receive that with the cup today in Jesus' name. So, Father, as we receive communion today and we reflect on Good Friday, of all of the things that Jesus did, he laid down his life for me. He picked up my life and set me on track. And I have a new life every day. And he sent his Holy Spirit to fill me anew. So, Lord, I pray over all of us today that we would be filled anew with your Holy Spirit, that as we read these words, Jesus's words on the cross, 
that they become personal to us, that they become life to us, that we take time and we worship Jesus for who he is, for what he did and for him coming soon on our behalf. And we receive him in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, he has fulfilled the scriptures with both his blood, his death on the cross and resurrection. And so it's so important that you take a minute and you thank Jesus for what he's doing in your life. If you would thank him for what he's doing in your life. You know, let me move on. Let me encourage you on uh, from Good Friday. We have Easter Sunday. There's actually three different ways that you can participate with us at the Hills Church on Easter Sunday. You can come to our campus. We have in-person, indoor. Also, we have our outdoor courtyard, which will have a speaker going of our service. Or you can join us online at 10 o'clock. For more information, more details, I would so encourage you to go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. Remember Sunday, Easter Sunday, April 4th, in person, uh, outdoor or online, three ways to join us, we pray, and it will be a powerful Easter Sunday. And as we do each and every week, we say the verse that is the meaning and the reason behind our name, because our help is from the Lord. Psalm 121, 1 and 2, I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Boy, we so look forward to connecting with you Easter Sunday. And here's what's the most important part. Invite somebody, right? Message them, email them, somehow get a hold of them to join with us because it could be the difference between life and death over their life only by you asking. Allow the Lord to use you this Easter season. And we're praying for you today. Have a great Good Friday. And let's celebrate the risen Savior Jesus on Easter Sunday morning together. The Lord bless you. Have a great day.